Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Inspired by the work of speech pathologist Christina Hunger, Alexis Devine decided to try experimenting with a new way to communicate with her dog, Bunny. She did so through a series of buttons that each have a different spoken English word or phrase associated with it, starting simple and then growing her vocabulary. Through this process, Alexis has gained a richer relationship with Bunny and learning to speak to each other and to translate their thoughts. They've also garnered a large audience on social media too, particularly on TikTok, where 7 million people tune in to find the latest word Bunny has learned. And before we dive into this episode, I wanted to remind you all that we have an online gift shop on the Dog Save the People website. This includes super soft t-shirts with the Dog Save the People logo in black and in baby blue. Plus, your purchases help support this podcast so that we can keep bringing you heartfelt stories about how dogs make our lives better and more fulfilled. Please check out dogsavethepeople.com shop. That's dogsavethepeople.com shop. Alexis, welcome to Dog Save the People. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, whereabouts are you uh, on this beautiful planet? Well, we are in Tacoma, Washington. We live in a, a house on stilts on the beach, and oh. it's gorgeous weather right now. We have some seals playing outside. Oh my uh, there gosh. were some orcas yesterday. It's just amazing. Great place oh, to live. Wow. Wow. And are, is that where you're from? I was born in San Diego, but I've been in the Pacific Northwest uh, basically my entire life. Oh, my gosh. How did Bunny come into your life? I had been wanting a dog for quite some time. I hadn't either been situationally or emotionally prepared. It was a huge decision, right? They're like children in a lot of ways. They take a lot of time and energy. So I decided I was ready. I asked my husband, Johnny, and he said, okay. Eventually, I found Kayla's Sheepadoodles, which is where Bunny came from, and started having long conversations with her. And uh, I was lucky enough to meet Bunny when she was one month old. I went to the breeder's home. And within the first couple of minutes, Bunny, who was about half the size of all of her siblings, just this tiny little black and white potato, came and and crawled into the crook of my arm. And she stayed there for the entire two hours. I left and I had another month before Bunny was able to come home at eight weeks. We got started as soon as she came home, building that bond and learning about each other and had an outside button waiting for her by the door. So tell me about the outside button, because I know that that was the first button uh, that you had. Um, And can you tell me a little bit more about how you discovered uh, this this way of communication? Several months before bringing Bunny home, I came across Christina Hunger on Instagram, I think it was. And she, as we know, is a speech-language pathologist that was teaching her own dog, Stella, how to communicate using buttons. And like many, many other people, I saw that and I was like, that's incredible. What a a beautiful way to add to the collection of tools that I'm going to be using to foster this incredible relationship and to learn to communicate in all the ways possible. I didn't have, you know, really any expectations of success because I'm not a dog trainer. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a speech-language pathologist, but I figured it couldn't hurt to give it a shot. Got the buttons several weeks before Bunny came home, had an outside button by the door. And for the first week, we mostly just focused on sort of setting foundations, like how are we going to communicate in Bunny's natural communicative style and sort of getting to know each other and building our bond, lots of play. And then when we would go outside, I'd start pressing the outside button and I'd say the word outside, then we'd go outside. We're outside now, we're outside. 
And I did that for several weeks until one day Johnny and I were sitting on the couch. We're like watching Netflix or something. Bunny was over by the door. She was standing by her button and she was sort of looking down at it and then looking up at us and then looking down at it and looking up at us. And Johnny and I were sort of like watching her out of the corner of her eye. And then all of a sudden she like lifted her paw, looked at us and smashed the outside button. And I squealed. It was amazing. So we went outside and we celebrated and uh, it was sort of game on from that point forward. I was like, well, she got one button. Maybe she can get a hundred buttons. Wow. And so what were some of the other first buttons that you introduced? Yeah. So as soon as she um, started using the outside button consistently, we took that button, we moved it to a board and added play, come and love you. And she started exploring those pretty quickly. I really spent a lot of time thinking about what she might want to talk about. Mm. If you put a button down that doesn't have anything to do with what your dog might be interested in, there's probably not a huge likelihood that they're, they're going to be eager to use it. Right. Every time I could see that she was trying to communicate something, I would consider adding a button to represent that. Like she's really mad at that bird on the deck. Maybe I should add a bird button. You know, she yeah. really enjoys playing with her friends. Maybe I should add the names of her friends. You know, mom and dad, we are huge figures in her life. Uh, so that's sort of how I progressed with that. And then, of course, modeling more abstract concepts was a little bit of um, like a puzzle, right? Uh, Just trying to figure out how to make those concepts clearer for her. So I figured I would capture emotional concepts like concerned. So if I, I saw Bunny in a state of emotional arousal wherein she seemed to be concerned, that's when I would take that opportunity to model the concerned button. Or if I was particularly anxious or stressed, I would model mom concerned. Right. Well, I saw there's a beautiful video of you, well, of Bunny and and your voice and Bunny wanted to go to the park and kept pressing park. And you're like, well, we just were done for the day and we're staying inside. We're home. She pressed home, home, home. And then she pressed love you, mom. And I was like, I I started crying. It was so beautiful. And what an amazing thing. Because I know that my dogs love me, but to actually have a way that there's this kind of way for them to communicate in a, in a different way to, oh my God, it was just, it was such a beautiful, beautiful video. And it really captured this kind of incredible technology and, and magic. It does often feel like magic. Some days it feels like that. Some days it's so woven into the fabric of our lives uh-huh. that people ask me, they're like, how do you not just like lose your poop every time this happens? (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's just like, this is, this is how we roll these days, but it definitely does feel like magic. I, I think it's really important to remember though, that dogs are communicating all the time, right? They don't need buttons to tell us what they want to tell us. So I think part of my success with bunny is that I, I really took the time to focus on uh, her innate communication styles it's really important to to validate their experience as dogs. Let them exist as dogs. Give them the enrichment they deserve. You can't just mm-hmm. expect them to want to communicate in this way with us without fully supporting who they are as individuals first. Right. Oh, that's so beautiful. So Alexis, can you talk about uh, the work that you've been doing with Dr. Rosano and They Can Talk? About six months into my process with Bunny, Leo Trottier and I connected and he was like, Hey, I'm making a canine specific AAC device. Would you like to be a beta tester? I said, yes. Which is augmentative and alternative communication. Exactly. I was really excited to have some of my decisions going forward with Bunny uh, be informed by science. You know, got the hex tiles, which are arranged based on the Fitzgerald key to help her compartmentalize where the words are. It really seemed to speed up her learning 
and to make her communication more efficient. So our board grew fairly rapidly as soon as we started doing that. And several months after that, maybe two, three months after I started using the Fluent Pet product, I think the, the study began officially. And very shortly thereafter, we got some cameras set up on our board that are recording 24 hours a day. And I started sending those recordings every two weeks to the Comparative Cognition Lab down at UCSD. Um, and since wow. then, the research has, has really expanded. There are over 3,000 households that are participating, some of them with multiple learners, uh, majority dogs, but there are several cats. I think there's a capuchin monkey. There are a couple of birds. There's a horse, some pigs, uh, some oh guinea gosh. pigs. It's really, really incredible. It's not just dogs. Yeah. Project is just growing and growing, and uh, they're gathering some incredible data. Oh my gosh, that's incredible! Now I'm curious. There's that old saying about not being able to teach old dogs new tricks. I'm wondering if my older dogs would be able to begin learning and using these buttons. No reason why they wouldn't be able to. There are lots of of older learners that have had great success. Billy uh-huh. the cat. I don't know if you're familiar with her. No, but I think she's like 13 or 14 years old, and and she's doing great. She has dozens of buttons. I'm not exactly sure how many, but she's yeah. she's amazing. Has to do with the temperament of your dog, yeah. um, your relationship with your dog, the amount of time you're able to dedicate to your dog. But I, I'm not sure yet that age plays a huge factor. In learning, although in children there is a critical age learning period, I don't think we have any conclusive evidence to support that that's necessarily the case in animals yet. It just makes me think about. I just came back from a week with my dogs, and we were at the beach, and it was their first time being at the beach, which was so beautiful to see them kind of taking it all in. And my one dog, I've got a Bernese Mountain dog and a three-legged Chihuahua, and I actually I just lost my third dog, who was the matriarch of the family. She just died. Her name was. Thank you. Her name was Millie. She was probably 14 or 15 and it was her time. It was very beautiful and very clear. But us three guys are trying to, you know, navigate in this new world and to watch these two dogs taking in this whole new world of the beach was so beautiful. But what was really crazy is my Bernese Mountain Dog, he would just start barking and barking and barking and barking. And I knew what he wanted. He wanted to go back to the beach. And I just, you know, and I kept, I, I, I couldn't quite communicate And I think that we do understand each other pretty well, but there's a lot that I feel that I wish that I was able to, to understand, to give him a fuller life. Yeah. I love Bernie's mountain dogs so much. The sweetest dog I've ever met in my entire life is a Bernie's mountain dog. And he just wants, he's like, give me all of your hug. Just give me all of the love you can possibly give me. And it's, it's so sweet. They're just the sweetest, most loving dogs. Well, as a matter of fact, my Bernie's mountain dog's name is Hug. Oh my goodness. Stop it. <laughs> That's too perfect. That's so cute. Yeah, it's like an onomatopoeia. He yeah. Is. He's truly a hug. Oh, I love it. As all of our animals are, I, I believe that they are our teachers and yeah. he's such a teacher for me. And I'm sure that Bunny is teaching you every day again, as you were just speaking about, but I'm sure she's teaching you so much about things that are surprising to you. I've never been good at saying no. I've never been good at standing up for myself. And Bunny, she's a very sensitive soul. She's got some reactivity. She wears a do not pet collar. She's lovely and sweet and is fine being around strangers, but please don't touch her. She doesn't like that. And that in turn has allowed me to advocate more for myself, which is an unexpected benefit of that. And I think being able to say no on behalf of someone who can't say it for themselves is just really powerful because I feel like I couldn't say it on, on my own behalf and that led to some trauma, that led to some really negative experiences in my past. 
And now revisiting them, I'm able to view those experiences through a different lens and have a little bit more self-compassion. Yeah. I'm thinking in terms of like antecedent behavior consequence, like what leads to this behavior for her? What is that trigger? What happens immediately before she feels this huge burst of anxiety? And what is the consequence of that to her? And so I, I start reframing my own triggers and my own anxiety in the same way. And it's uh, really powerful. I feel like reactive dogs are therapists in a lot of ways. With our dogs or with our animals, they are who they are. They're living in the moment. And it's our part of our job not to judge them for how they're being and who they are. And I feel like there are these larger lessons that we can take away from that in learning how to not be so judgmental with those around us or ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about kindness and compassion. Treating uh, yourself with that same kindness and compassion can be a lot harder. But once you see how easy it is for us to show that to our animals, you're like, why can't I be nicer to myself? Absolutely. And I started this new practice in the morning after I've taken the dogs out and fed them and get back into bed with my coffee and the dogs. I do this little moment. I imagine my heart and I imagine this heart that's expanding infinitely. And I I try to just send as much positive love to that heart. And again, just learning how to love and be compassionate to myself and, you know, my humanness and all those things that we beat ourselves up about and how beautiful to have our pets kind of remind us about that every day. You really have to think and listen and watch. And that takes silence. If we were able to, to grant that courtesy to some of our fellow humans, our relationships would be easier to manage. They would be kinder and they would be more empathetic. I'm a work in progress as we all are. And my, I'm learning not to react so Mm -hmm. much and to really kind of sit with things, maybe respond, but really just kind of put it up on the shelf and let it, not that I want to absorb it, but just kind of just, I don't need to react right this second. And so many times things will diffuse and the, the clarity will come. And, um, it's taking me 58 years to learn that, but I'm, I'm getting there. So having this relationship with Bunny has really allowed me to slow down. Things don't have to happen yeah. quickly. In fact, they'll probably happen right. in a better way if you take your time. Absolutely. And so Bunny has um, how many words now that she works with? She has 101 words. Oh, Her most gosh. recent word is otter. Uh. <laughs> Yep. (laughs) And so how did Otter come into your life? I had been looking to add a second dog to our family. Bunny's best friend is a standard poodle that she loves with all of her heart. They get to play almost every day. And I've noticed that when Selena's around, Bunny is about 85% less reactive. Selena is her emotional support animal, right? Um, And that feels like a pretty powerful connection. And in general, uh, even though Bunny is dog selective, it seems that the animals that she's most likely to play with are other poodles, other doodles, animals of similar size and temperament. So I knew that we wanted a second dog, and I thought that perhaps it could help with some of her anxiety. I was looking for another dog, but just very casually hadn't planned to add one to our life right away. And um, I found Otter's Breeder online and Otter was available, but he was going to go to a show or a sport home only. And so I just reached out and I was like, hey, I'm not um, I'm not planning to show or or do sport, but uh, I'm looking for a really, really intelligent, calm tempered dog with medium drive and and some other specifications. And she was like, well, he is definitely that. And uh, 
I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe just keep me in mind for future programs. And she was like, wait a second, are you Bunny's mom? And I was like, yep. And she's like, oh my God, he would be perfect for what you're doing. And I was like, oh, oh wow. maybe we chat. And so we started chatting and we ended up connecting and, and uh, I learned a lot more about him and about her and he seemed to be the perfect dog. So I wasn't ready for oh. a dog just yet uh, necessarily, but it yeah. worked out and uh, we're, we're rolling with it. And I think it's going to be great. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm a huge fan and what an amazing experience to have almost in a way kind of stumbled upon and, and have this incredible way of communicating with your dog and all of the things that you've learned and that you're getting to um, share with others. Where can we find you online and on social media? Yeah, we are at What About Bunny on all social platforms. TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. And you can go to whataboutbunny.com for a little bit more information or for some cute t-shirts and necklaces. I do some fundraising over there as well. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for, for being with us today, Alexis. And um, good luck with Otter. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This has been amazing. <laughs> oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Give hug a hug for me. I will. I found it so fascinating to speak with Alexis and hear about Bunny's process with the buttons. And it makes me want to try it with my own dogs, especially Hug, to see how it might change the way we communicate at all. The human and dog relationship has evolved for thousands of years, but innovations like this make me wonder how much more potential there is for our bond to change and to grow. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a production company and content studio. It is made with the support of executive producer Scott Benaglio and our producer and editor Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer, Daniel Lampert, for creating the music for the show. You can follow Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review. Please consider signing up to our monthly email newsletter on dogsavethepeople.com. On the website, you will also find show merch in our gift shop, including shirts from our Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, My Foundation, where profits go to supporting independent rescues and shelters. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have any questions or submissions, please drop a note to the email address of bark at dogsavethepeople.com. New episodes come out every Tuesday, so see you next week for another episode of Dog Save the People. Enjoy a walk with your dog outside and make it a great day for both of you.